if you were not able to be here um, Monday night, we did vote to purchase uh, property for our church, and uh, we will be moving forward with that. Been talking to the bank this week, and it looks like we've got a very uh, competitive interest rate, and that's where that land is going to be located. Uh, Brother uh, Brother Bo said he went by there, and he said, is it all of that over there? And I said, it's every bit of that. And he said, well, that's just great. It's a great big piece of property, folks, and I am, I'm excited about it. And uh, it looks like these banks that were all excited to work with us, and I was excited about that. Amen. And uh, we've still got a few things that we have to pull together to go to them, and uh, hopefully we'll have that turned in by Monday before I leave. So that when I get back, we can we can get everything signed that we need to get signed. But we're heading in the right direction, so very excited about that. Um, I initially actually had planned to preach another message tonight than what I'm about to teach, okay? I had planned to preach another message, but with the weather wreaking havoc a little bit like it has, you look around tonight, you can tell this is not our typical Wednesday night crowd. So we have the few and the faithful here tonight. So I'm gonna now I'm about to pull out one of my messages on you need to be in church and beat up all the people that are in church. <laughs> beat up all the people who made it. No, I'm not gonna do that. Um, the uh, I am going to to go and if it's all right with y'all, this is probably gonna be a little just a little bit more. Um, low-key tonight. Is that okay with you? I'm going to talk to us. I, I, I'm looking around at who we have in here tonight, and I think it's just good to talk through some things, and, and I think it's going to help us all. You know, you know that it's a passion of mine, and it's, and it's very deep in my heart that the things we believe and all of that, that it's ingrained in us. Not just that we do it, but that it's inside of us. I, I don't just want to do it. And there's a lot of people who will do something to, to feel like they're a part of something. And then whenever something comes along that makes them feel not as much a part, because it's not in their heart, they withdraw from it and pull away from it. Right? And so I don't just want to be a part of the church of God because uh, I, I'm, I'm excited and, and I feel connected to it right now. I know the day's going to come whenever I'm going to go through a storm. I know the day's going to come when it's going to be a hard day. Sister Melba has some family uh, that's going through a very difficult time right now. Her, her cousin's son uh, was found, uh, passed away uh, yesterday morning and very tragic circumstances and uh, took his own life, and man in Paragul, and um, just a really terrible situation, young man, and uh, I don't know what all was going in his life, going on in his life, except to say there was very probably a storm taking place, and there could be a storm take place in any of our lives, and we can all feel pulled away. And so if we, if we don't have things down deep inside of our hearts, we will not make it. And the Bible said that the strategy of the devil would be that he would wear out the saints of the Most High God. That means if you can be worn out, you will be worn out. If it is possible, for, if the devil sees the opportunity to beat you down to the point that... Uh, that, that you will lose your grip on the things of God, he will beat you down to that point. He'll give it everything he has. And so we must, we must be so very careful uh, to have these things down deep inside of us. And again, I, I know I said this in one of the earlier lessons, um, but I, I want to say it again. And I have no problem with the way we have church today. I love the way we have church uh, in, in 2019. I, I love the way we have church. I love the worship we do. I love singing like we sing and all of those things. But you'll have a real hard time finding in the New Testament 
the pattern of how we have church, that being their pattern for having church. I don't find that they were nearly as emotionally driven as we tend to be. Is that fair to say? I just don't find that they were nearly as emotionally driven as we tend to be. We do. And I'm chief, I am chief sinner among all. All right? And so um, it's important to have these things down deep in our hearts. The Bible said when Peter went to speak to Cornelius, is this okay? Just, I'm just kind of talking tonight. The Bible said when Peter went to speak to Cornelius' house, it said Cornelius, the indication is Cornelius got all of his household together, brought them all in the same place, and then he began to teach them the word of God. And the Bible said while he yet spake, the Holy Ghost fell on them. I don't know. I mean, maybe he was hollering and screaming like I do from time to time. But I'm going to be honest with you. I have a feeling Peter was just very simply laying out the truth of the word of God. The word of God doesn't need us to scream to make it more effective. It's just as effective if it's whispered as it is if it's hollered. Now, I understand we, we preach because there's, a, there's something that, reach, that we, we get loud and something kind of reaches out and grabs a hold of us. And there's nothing wrong with that, and I'm not condemning that. All I'm saying is that doesn't seem to be the New Testament pattern. Paul was such a boring preacher, a man fell asleep in a window and fell out of it and died. And they had to go down, and Paul had to pray for him and raise him back to life. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It's a pretty boring sermon when you're sitting in the window and you know. It, if I'm sitting in the window and I feel myself getting sleepy, I'm going to move to a chair against the wall, Right? But it's pretty bad when you don't even get a chance to do that. It just knocks you out. And then when Paul got raised him from the dead, he went back up there and finished his message. So, <laughs> so I'm not being critical of what we do. All I'm saying is let's be careful that we don't make how we have church our crutch. But that we, we internalize the word of God. It didn't say... It didn't say uh, our methods or our traditions would be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It said thy word would be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So that said, I am going to continue discussing the high call of holiness tonight. And I'm going to answer some questions this evening that came to me. I, <clears throat> I had somebody that uh, came to my wife and I and said I have questions about um, this thing called holiness, and and these were questions from a from a person who did not grow up in this. They were not connected to this. They came into it, and they had legitimate questions. And some of them were very very eye opening to me. And so I thought tonight that I would just begin to go through some of those and and share the question with you, and then kind of share with you how I answered it. Um. And I won't get into some of these because some of these were particulars about outward appearance. And I'm going to deal very strongly with that uh, in weeks to come when I get back from our trip. So, um, and, and let me say this as well while we're here tonight. Um, let me say this. It is important as when the world is putting every bit of pressure it can on trying to get people to conform to it. It is very important that we have people in this church who will be strong to stand for what is holy. I'm talking inwardly and I am talking outwardly. There must be a core group of people in this church that I can depend on. Let me back that up. That we all can depend on. But as pastor that I know there's a core group of people in this church that are carrying holiness forward. You know me, and I'm never going to beat people up. I don't believe in that. Uh, and, and I don't think that's right. But at the same time, I'm never going to soft soap it and not preach what's right either. But I'm going to do it in love. And not everybody's going to do it. Let me, just, let me just let that be known right now. As I teach through this series... I'm gonna. I am going to say exactly why we got a front row seat uh, 
person up here tonight, I just noticed. <laughs> Set up here to, to pay attention. Um, <laughs> there are some people who are going to come to this church, and, and they may never, ever do what I really wish they would do and really am praying they would do. And I can't help that. I can't make them do anything, and I'm certainly not going to try to run them out of here uh, where they never have the option to feel like they can do it. It wouldn't do any good. And what I will do is I will preach it, and I'll preach it with love. And, and, and I will, and I think I've been pretty consistent in that. And I try to say things, I'll, and I'll, I'll tell people, you may not agree with what I'm preaching right now, but please hear what I have to say, and I'll preach it. And uh, if everybody doesn't line up to that, I can't help it. But, it. but it is my prayer that there is always a core group in this church that upholds a standard of holiness, outward holiness, is what I'm dealing with just for a second here, that will uphold a standard of outward holiness that sets the benchmark in this church because what we don't need to ever have happen is to be overwhelmed by be, be overwhelmed by worldly definition of holiness and i'm not saying because if somebody listens to this podcast and i hope everybody does in our church i'm not saying if you don't do what i'm what i'm trying to teach that that you're trying to be worldly but what i am trying to say is that there may be a worldly definition of holiness that you are clinging to in spite of despite the one that I am trying to promote before you. And the world, their definition of holiness is never going to be what the apostolic church's definition is. And so be strong in it. Be consistent in it. Don't let go of it. Hold on to it. If you see other people step away from it, you don't step away from it. You know what we believe. We believe in an outer holiness standard. And that means uh, for our ladies, we believe that uncut hair is an outer holiness standard. We believe uh, in a distinction of dress between men and women. That is, that is uh, a, a Bible concept. Somebody said, well, that's Old Testament. It is Old Testament, but the Lord said it's an abomination unto the Lord for the genders to mix their garments. And... And an abomination of the Lord. He is the God who said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I change not, he said. So, uh, for women, we believe that the best way to maintain gender distinction is for women to wear dresses and skirts. And for men, the best way to maintain gender distinction is to wear pants. And uh, I'm going to ask you, be strong on that. Don't, don't compromise that. Don't look for opportunities to, to weaken that. Even when it's hard to do it, do it anyway. God will honor it. Is that all right? Okay. I'll be coming back to talk more about that stuff and why we do it in the weeks to come. So one of the questions that was asked to me was this. How do you know if something is and, the, and they put it in quotes, is something is of the world or not. Some things seem to be easier to me to determine than others. thought that was a good question. How do we know if something is of the world? And so I told them this. I said, it's true that it's easier to recognize the worldliness of some things versus other things. There are some things you can look at and immediately your spirit will just kind of throw up a, a caution sign and, and say that something's just not right about that. And, and, and it's very obvious. And, and you, can go <coughs> you can go in some places and your spirit just absolutely not bear witness with it. I remember years and years ago, uh, we had just moved to Arkansas. So this is 29 years ago or so. <coughs> And uh, and by the way, those of you that was a, were afraid I was sick and going to share something with you, I thought maybe I had a touch of flu, to be honest with you, or something. But I didn't. I had a stomach ulcer. And the symptoms of it mimicked the flu at times. So that's what was going on with me. So if I touch you, you're okay. All right. Just wanted you to know that. So we had, uh, we had 
moved to Arkansas. We went to Hot Springs for a family excursion one day in um, the the city of my lovely bride, and and we were up there and we rode we rode the ducks, which we'll never ride the ducks again. Those Lord, it was it was sometime later that that Hot Springs had their tragedy there, and now Missouri Branson's had their tragedy, and um, we we did that we we walked around the bathhouses and all that stuff and and just had a good day with the family and then we went to some old shops and and we walked in one of these shops and uh, we were in there I don't know just a few minutes and my dad came to get me and is a bookstore my dad came to get me and he said we're leaving now you have to understand my dad my dad is not he's just not a flashy guy he's a very quiet understated guy and uh and I've always said he, he's my he's my rock. He's he's just that steady guy. So he doesn't make a show of things. And and Dad said, "Come on, we're leaving." Well, that was just unlike Dad. And and he was very firm in the way he said it. And when we got outside. I was nine years old, maybe ten at that time. I don't. And I said, "What what, what why are we leaving?" And Dad said, "I just didn't feel good in there. I, I when we walked in there, my just my spirit didn't my spirit felt like something was off." And, he said, I got to looking around, and there's a lot of books on the occult and witchcraft and New Ageism and, and all that in there. And, and something, it, it was an obvious thing to him. He, he immediately felt it. And you know, and I know, that sometimes there's things we come across, and immediately our spirit says, hold up. When, please hear this, when that happens, would you immediately obey the Holy Ghost? Let me tell you what has messed up many, many people. It's when they, when they felt their spirit bump up against something. And they, maybe they took a little step back, but they just kind of hung close to the, to the edge there. And the longer, the longer they hung around the edge right here, the more comfortable it got to go here. My friends that I ride with make fun of me because I'm scared of heights. And you heard Brother Weathered and I guess Brother Whitehead both mention about us sitting in the uh, up on top of that canyon, and and uh, they're sitting there. Uh, they were sitting there just like this, their feet dangling off the edge. And and I said, y'all are just y'all are just crazy. And so, but I knew they were going to give me a hard time, you know. So. I came back from over there and I sat down and I went like this. And I did that right there. <laughs> I put my feet over the side. And I ate my lunch right here. And I looked behind me and my brother was back there and he was sitting back here. <laughs> and we said, and, and they, they started laughing. They were getting, he said, I don't care. You can laugh at me all you want. I'm not going up there. And so, it's true, the more you do something, the more comfortable you get with it. And if the Holy Ghost begins to speak to you and say, get away, get away, get away. And you don't immediately remove yourself as much as you can. But you stay in the proximity of that thing. I'm going to tell you what happens. Your spirit, the, the defenses of your spirit begin to be lessened and lessened to the point that one day you'll find yourself stepped across the edge, involved in things that you have no business being involved in. And the testimony of that person, I, we're doing real good right now. The testimony of that person becomes, but I don't feel anything wrong about it. I don't feel convicted about it. Anybody ever heard that? I don't even, I don't feel convicted about this. I don't feel like this is wrong. The, the, the Lord's not spoken to me. And, oh, he did. It was just a long time ago. And you kept pushing the boundaries. And finally, God, who said, my spirit will not always strive with man. You overrode the voice of the Lord with your flesh. And, and. If you're not sensitive, watch this. If you're not sensitive to the voice of God to obey it immediately, 
and you get to the point where, where you stay in that realm where he's trying to say, stop, stop, the Holy Ghost in you, warning, 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 and you're just kind of, I know, but I'm okay, I'm right here. Eventually, that voice becomes diminished and the voice of your flesh becomes increased. In order to, to stay attuned to the Spirit and, and, the, and the, uh, the subtleness of the Spirit of God, you've got to obey it immediately. Don't, don't, don't argue with it. Don't, don't say, I'm going to stick around for a little bit. Immediately move away. And I'm going to tell you where that gets hard. It gets hard when you're, when you're with people who, who you don't want to... You, you don't want to make things awkward or uncomfortable. And so you're with some people. And uh, let me give you a, a for instance. I always I, I have to use writing stories because that's my stories. OK, um, the district superintendent of uh, Texas of, up until a few years ago was a man named uh, Brother Danny Russo. Brother Russo, he's a small guy. He's about my size. And just a very, very humble, quiet man. And super, super guy. <coughs> this was before my time riding with all them. They were having a ride, and it started raining on everybody. And, and they had come back in. It finally quit raining, but everything was wet. And they were trying to get a fire started. So they were taking... They were they were taking every all the wood was wet, so they were trying to to get paper and different things and get that fire started and and they just were having no success. And Brother Russo watched them for a while, and he finally said, "Y'all y'all just move out of the way, move out of the way." And he went in his in his trailer and he he grabbed this couple of pieces of little old starter wood, uh, little wood that was that would burn real well, and it was it was. Burned for a long time, and it was dry, and he, he put it in there, and, and he lit that, and before long, they had a crackling fire, and everything was, was wonderful. People were warming their hands by the fire, and one of my good friends said, well, I'm glad we had Brother Russo here tonight, y'all. He said, he said, we had the fire God with us tonight. He's the fire God, and, and uh, everybody laughed, you know, ha, 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 ha. And the way that stuff goes, if, if a nickname gets attached to you, it will last. And so all night long, people were calling him the fire god, you know, the fire god. So the next morning, Brother Russo, early in the morning, they got up. He, he went to Wayne. He said, uh, he said Brother, Brother Wayne, he said, I got to thinking about that, uh, that thing you were saying last night. Uh, he had just meant it as a joke. I got to thinking about that fire god stuff. He said, uh, I don't believe I'll be called that. He said, I don't think that really pleased the Lord real, real well. I don't believe I'll be called that. <laughs> Brother Wayne received his rebuke and he said, yes, sir, Bishop, yes, sir. And they do not call him the fire god anymore. Another time, they were in a trailer, and everybody's cutting up and cracking jokes. And I guess guy felt it had gone too far. And, and he, said, uh, he said, gentlemen, he said, my wife and I bought this trailer because we like to spend time together and go ride and enjoy time with each other, with you all. And, and uh, this is kind of a haven for us. And. And there's a line in this trailer. I don't know if you can see it or not, but there's a line, and I feel like y'all have stepped across it. And I'd appreciate it if you get back on the other side of it. Now, it's a little bit uncomfortable when somebody does something like that, isn't it? But you know what? Everybody that was around, their estimation of that man went, Whew. And they said, you know what? Maybe Even if they disagreed and felt like he was being prudish, they said, I appreciate the fact that somebody's willing to stand up and say, this is far enough. This is far enough for us. And it is an uncomfortable thing to do, especially when you're surrounded by people you love and are friendly with. And, and you feel like somebody gets where they're, where they're about to cross a line or something. Whether it's something that's being discussed, it's, if it's someone that's being discussed, if it's, if it's uh, 
uh, if it's talking down about the things of God, uh, standards of holiness, particularly in this case as I'm teaching tonight, and you, f- you sense people heading up to that line, somebody needs to be willing to say, now hang on just a minute. And somebody needs to be willing to say, there, there's something in me that doesn't bear witness with, with something of this that's going on. And if we will stay sensitive to that and we will stand for that, God will honor it. Can you say amen? Is this okay tonight? I hope so. So there's some things that are more obvious than others. And, and for the things that are not as obvious, uh, this is what I told this person. How do you recognize if something's worldly or not? I said, I think much of the time we could probably, and this is just a very, um, uh, a very real-world answer. Because it's, yeah, it works to say the Holy Ghost will bear witness or it won't bear witness. Okay, that's great. And we just talked about that. But then there's some things that I haven't felt one way or the other on. And so what, what about those things? I said we can categorize things in, typically in one of three categories. They will either, one, cause us to pull away from God. Two, they may be neutral. Or three, they bring us closer to God. And if I was determining if something is worldly or not, that's the, after does my spirit bear witness, that's the first test I would use. If it's neutral or it draws me closer to him, then it's probably okay. But if it has the ability to pull me away from God, then I would characterize it as worldly. If it has such a hold that it could pull me away, then to me that thing must be worldly. Spending time with a hobby, such as knitting or reading a fun, wholesome book, will not pull me away from God. But neither will it encourage me to draw closer to God. So I would say that it is neutral. It's important to note that some neutral things, however, can take us in a wrong direction if we do not have self-control. This is, where it gets, this is where it gets interesting. Y'all ready? Deer camp is okay unless it causes you to do things you ordinarily wouldn't do. I have a friend that his backslidden state began at deer camp because he couldn't handle being around guys who got out there and let inhibitions go, and talk like they shouldn't talk, and drank things they shouldn't drink, and exposed them th- themselves to things they shouldn't have exposed themselves to, and it, it, it created an issue for him because he did not have the ability to, to, to draw a line in his life. And what he should have done... I don't care how much he enjoys hunting. I don't care how therapeutic hunting is. I don't care how close to God you feel sitting on a deer stand in the morning. And I've heard all that. And you have too. I don't care. If you're beginning to be pulled, you should have packed your stuff up, gotten your truck, and headed home. You owe it to yourself to have enough in you to take a stand for God, even if it seems to be a neutral thing. If that neutral thing takes a turn where it has somehow grabbed you. Deer hunt, there's nothing in the world wrong with deer hunting. Nobody's going to go, nobody, the, the, God's not going to judge anybody and say, you're not going to make heaven uh, because you went deer hunting. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. But when the deer hunting becomes the, the tool, the vehicle that pulls you away, now you've got a problem. And you will Miss heaven over some of the stuff it may pull you into. Uh, serving the homeless in a soup kitchen is something that would fulfill the scriptures that tell us to show Christian love to the less fortunate. And Jesus said, did he not, that when you have done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me, correct? So that's something that I would say draws me closer to him. But there are some things that even this test will not give a clear answer to. It is then 
if it, if this if the spirit doesn't just immediately bear witness one way or the other, if the does it pull me closer to God? Is it neutral? Does it draw me away from God? If that test doesn't really seem to clear it up, then we must look to the Bible for better instruction. We must ask for the counsel and the insight of the word of God that he has given to us. Lord, is there anything in your word that would talk to me about this thing? And I am going to say here that some of the reasons some of our elders drew some of the lines they did is because they saw parallels in the word of God with other things. And they said, uh, I cannot tell you that this thing is wrong, but I do see a parallel here that's awfully close. And I feel like the wise thing to do would be to shun this. And they drew some lines uh, like that. And then the, other, the last thing I would tell you to do is that you must ask for the counsel and spiritual insight of the spiritual authority that God has placed in your life. We need... Uh, I, I'm not looking to be the policeman in your life. I'm not looking to be the one who tells you everything to do in your life. But if it's, is, is this a, Pastor, will this pull me away from God? Will this get me closer to God? This thing that my kids want to get involved in, what should we do here? I may have an opinion on it. I may have an opinion on it. And uh, my dad had some opinions on some things for me that I didn't get to get involved in that I would have liked to have gotten involved in. I heard Brother Anthony Mangan preaching one time. He said that when he was growing up, uh, if they played um, uh, like Yahtzee or something like that, uh, they couldn't use dice. They couldn't use dice because dice was too much like gambling. And so they had to make spinners. And they would do a spinner, you know. And, and that's something that, that he asked them to do. Uh, there may be some things that I feel like it would be wise for us to do it a certain way. And I wish, one thing, I, I, I thank God for, the, for where we are. I, I think there's a lot of good things about where the church is in 2019. But I wish one of the things we could get back to is where, where we say, uh, concerning this thing, concerning this particular thing, uh, whether it's something my kid gets involved in or something, do you have an opinion on this, Pastor? Do you feel like this could affect my family and our kids getting involved in this? It wouldn't hurt my feelings to get back to that. It wouldn't hurt my feelings to get back to that. There's probably some things that I didn't get involved in because our pastor in Texas, uh, matter of fact, I know there is. I remember the service where uh, my parents came to me and said, uh, this is leaving our house. Uh, my dad didn't grow up in church. My mom grew up in a in a divided family. Uh, it was the, neither one of them had just had a great strong foundation. And when when they uh, y'all are about to get real uncomfortable for a minute, okay? Y'all ready? So when we had an evangelist come through and he started preaching against television, anybody remember those days? He started preaching against television. And so uh, I was just a kid, and my parents came to me, and they said, in that service, because they, they moved quick. They moved quick. And thank God for that. And my mom came and found me as service was ending. She said, Kenneth, I want you to know, I was just a kid, a little kid before we moved here. So I was eight or younger. Kenneth, I just want you to know, when we go home tonight, we're taking the television out we're getting rid of it and I said even even the cartoons they said yeah even the cartoons and just crushed me you know because I liked my cartoons and uh, y'all don't have to amen me I know y'all are also spiritual you all y'all do is read the Bible and pray that's all y'all do um but uh, but I was disappointed. But they felt like it was something that needed to go in our house. And, and they did it. Now, we're living in a day where it's not just television anymore. Now, we've got internet. 
now we've got uh, even the apps and, and all that stuff. And I have some of those things, okay? I'm going to tell you, we better be very, very careful with all of it. I'm not going to come police you in your house and say, you better do this, 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 this. But every once in a while, if there's something you're unsure about, if you want my opinion, I'd sure be glad to give it to you. Because I thank God that my parents in that service said, Brother Moore, would it make you feel better if we did this? And Brother Moore said, yes, it would. I had somebody sit down across the table with me one time. There was some things I had been praying about in this church, asking God to give me an open door on. Somebody sat down across the table from me and said, Pastor, how do you feel about this? This is something I'm doing, and, and I want to know your opinion on it. And I said, I, I appreciate your heart. I, don't, I said, this is, this is what I wish you would do about this. And that person said, all right, that's what you prefer. I'll make the change. And they made the change. And it, and it, it blessed this pastor. And it helped this church. And I'm going to tell you, we need to get back to some of that stuff. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to get hung up here. I know I sound like an old passionate preacher. But we need to get back to some of that stuff. We need to be willing to let God convict us. One of my friends wrote this the other day. It's so good. He said, the problem that we're having in our day and age is, we have, is that we have replaced that convicts me with that offends me. So if I say something that used to would convict the listener, now the listener just says, well, now that offends me that you would say that to me. And as we're dealing with all this holiness stuff, you need to be here for Brother Clinton's lesson. We're dealing with all this holiness stuff. We better get our hearts right. Because if our hearts aren't right, nothing else is right. We've got to have our hearts right. We've got to have a heart ready to receive what the Lord is saying to us. We've got to have a heart ready to receive what the Lord is saying to us. We can rest assured that if we are sincere and serious, God will lead and guide us into all truth, as he said in John 16, 13. If we will be honest-hearted, and follow willingly when he shows it to us. God will lead and guide us into all truth. Otherwise, and this is all what I wrote to this person. This is several years ago now. Otherwise, he recognizes our disobedience. If, if when the Lord begins to deal with us about these things that are worldly. If we will not let him lead and guide us into all truth. What happens is, is he recognizes our disobedience and he allows us to be drawn away. The scripture said it like this, of our own lusts. And it is possible for you and I to be drawn away of our own lusts. We can be drawn away of the things that our flesh desires as opposed to the things that God wants for us. And if you want scripture references on that, I won't read them tonight, but 2 Timothy 4 and 3 and James 1.14. Let me look through here, find a good place. Um, let me answer this because it goes along with what I've been talking about. And this will probably be where we end tonight. They asked this question later on, and, and folks, this person wound up asking me like 23 questions. Very good questions, too. They said, so we are to be separate from the world. Okay. How do you determine what is the world and what is not? How do you determine what is wrong? How do you determine if you are attached to the world or not? So I told him, I said, we've really answered the first two questions here already. That's what I just covered. So that's a little redundant. But let's take that third question. How do you determine if you are attached to the world or not? How will I know if the world has a hold of me? The easy answer, the simple answer, but the very hard answer 
is this. Just ask yourself if you love God more than anything else. It was such an important question that he asked it of Peter three times in John 21. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Three times in a row, the Lord asked him this same question, really pushing him to think and to consider in his heart how much he loved Jesus. The true test of love is not an emotion or a feeling. The true test of love is in our commitment to being faithful to God above all else. If you could strip away all of love's many layers at the center of love, you would find faithfulness. If you could strip away all the trappings of love at the center of it all, you would find a faithfulness to whatever it is you say that you love. It's one thing to say we love God, but it's another thing to be faithful to the things of God. If I am more faithful to pleasing myself than I am Him, then I am attached to the world. If I allow the opinions of others to supersede God's opinions, then I am attached to the world. I'm going to talk more in just a moment, but, but listen to this. If I let other people talk me out of my convictions and consecrations, I am more attached to the world than I am in love with Jesus Christ. Because if I love Jesus, I love that woman back there. I love her so much that it doesn't matter who in this building comes up to me tonight and says, and I've heard of people doing crazy things like this. They probably wouldn't do it to me, but I've heard of them doing it. it <laughs> if somebody said, uh, you, <coughs> you shouldn't be married to her because of this, that, and the other. Because she's got red hair. And she has to wear glasses. And, and don't you know she's been battling type 1 diabetes for all these years. So you shouldn't love her for these reasons. I'm going to look at that person and I'm going to say, you're crazy. Whether or not I love her has nothing to do with the fact whether she wears glasses, has red hair, has diabetes. That has zero to do with whether or not I love her. I love her because I made a commitment to her 16 years ago almost now. And I said, you'll be my wife and I'll be your husband. And that will be till death do us part. And we made a commitment one to another. And I said, I love you. And so it doesn't matter. If she gets sick tomorrow, I'm still going to love her. If, if we have a fight tonight when I get home, we don't, we don't have those. <laughs> Lord, we need to. If we have a fight this evening, I'll still love her. It's the way it's going to be. I love her. And so somebody, it don't matter what somebody else says. If, and I have seen people who they let everybody else's opinion decide what they was going to love and not love. Well, let me just tell you, if God's word says it, it doesn't matter who in this church comes to me and says that's not important or that doesn't matter. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't dress that way. You shouldn't have to live that way. You can say it to your blue in the face. I'm going to look at you and I'm going to say you're crazy. I love him. And I made a commitment to his word many years ago. And I said, God, if that's what your word says, then that's what I'll stand on. So say what you're going to say. But when it's all said and done, this is where I'll be standing. Because I love him. 
because I love him. Don't let other people's opinions supersede what God has said. You've got, you've got to fall in love with him. When I was born again, I became attached to the Lord. John 15, 4. He's the vine, we're the branches. We got into him. He said, he said, you've got to get into me and I've got to get into you. We got into him through baptism. We put on Christ, Galatians said. He got into us through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. John 7 and John 14 tell us that. Whether or not I will remain attached to him is completely up to me. I'll know if I'm still attached to him by whether or not I'm faithful to him and his word. Whether or not I'm obedient to what he has said in my life. Will I make mistakes? Of course. But my attachment is proven through my repentance and making things right with him. What are we going to be attached to? The world or him? And I am going to tell you that there is so much that is pulling us to attach ourselves to it. Terry Shock said it like this one time. He said, if I could take all of Hollywood and I could take every sport and I could take all the deer leases and, and pardon Brother Randall, all the fishing holes and, and all the, I'll get me too, and all the horseback riding and if I could take all that stuff, he said, and put it on an island and send it floating out to sea, he said, I'd do it in a heartbeat. He said, because our problem is we become too attached to the things of the world and we don't want to let go. And we quit asking ourselves the question, what do I love the most? Church of Ephesus, you shout about my doctrine. Church of Ephesus, you got a whole lot going for you, but you left your first love. You know how to have church, but you're not right with me. Oh, God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. That can't happen at sanctuary. Oh, yes, it can. It's possible for that to happen here. It could ha happen in general and it can happen individually. And we can get real good at having church. I've not impressed by how good we have church. Not impressed by how good somebody else has church. I'm impressed by do you live the things of God? That's what I want to know. Why? Because that's what he's watching in our lives. Are you living for me? And I want to live for him. I want to give him my all. Talking about the high call of holiness. Where his nature becomes my nature. Paul said it. He said, I travail over you again in birth. Till Christ be formed in you. And until I do things like Jesus does things. I've got something needs to be worked on. Anybody here failed in that department anytime recently? I have. Oh God. Don't let me get away from you. Keep being formed in me. Keep talking to me every time I get on the edge. Talk me back. Say, no, get away from there. That I could live a life that's pleasing to you. Amen. I hope this has been okay tonight. I feel good. I feel, I, you know what I feel? I feel old-fashioned conviction. That's what I feel right now. We're going to go in just a minute. You can remain seated, but let's just sing this with me. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus.
sense on earth i long to be like him all through life's journey from earth to glory i only ask to be like him and now let's stand and just lift our hands to him and make a commitment to that tonight can you renew your commitment to him tonight To love Him. To put Him first in everything. To put Him first in everything. Can you renew your commitment to be sensitive to the Spirit? Can you renew your commitment to obedience to His Word? Hallelujah. Amen. Folks, God's good. God really loves us. Let's love Him back. The, con the love of Christ constrains us. It pulls me to want to live a better life. That's what I want. I want it for me. I want it for my family. I want it for this church. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Let's pray for Sister Trisha. Some of you ladies would come gather around her.